Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. Well, this week we're still in the book of Luke, where we were last week. Last week we were talking about the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And of course, we really, to get to the beginning of Jesus' work, we have to look at the work of John the Baptist, because John the Baptist had been around for a few years before Jesus came out into the public as a teacher. John the Baptist was telling the people to repent, to be ready, because God was about to send somebody who, in John's mind, was greater than he, John, was. Well, we were in the third chapter of Luke last time, and the last we heard about John, he had been arrested. He had uh, told Herod, the Tetrarch, that he shouldn't be fooling around being married to his brother's wife, Herodotus. It was a... Um, a complicated family situation, and Herod was quite the sinner. We won't get into the particulars this week because that's not really that important, but after Jesus was baptized and spent the 40 days and nights in the wilderness, was tempted by Satan, he started his earthly ministry. And of course, not only was he teaching uh, this very radical view of the way God wants people to live, which had been shown us by John, as we talked about last week. But also, he was doing some pretty miraculous things. He was curing people. He was raising people from the dead. He was doing all sorts of miraculous things. And these things were being done as proof that, indeed, Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the messenger that God was going to send, and he was the Messiah. This is not exactly what the people were expecting. And from what we see today, even John the Baptist himself might have been a little bit confused. Now, this passage we're in is in the seventh chapter of Luke. We're going to begin reading with the 18th verse. And this is one of the things about reading through the Gospels. Sometimes it's kind of hard to remember where we are in the story. Who knows what? Who's related to whom? What have they already found out about this? And this is odd because uh, normally when we think about Jesus after he's baptized, that John the Baptist kind of turns the whole program over to him because here's the Messiah. I've cleared the way, I've straightened the path, and, and all these things, uh, and now here's Jesus. But John apparently still very much had a calling from God to continue to preach, to continue to teach, and also the moral example that he was setting. He had a reason for condemning Herod for his misbehavior, and he was continuing to do that. So today, the thing that's somewhat unusual is the question that John is trying to settle in his mind. Now, from the third to the seventh chapters of Luke, Jesus is out performing these miracles. In verse 18, we have all that as our background, John's in prison, so he can't actually come and talk to Jesus in person, so he does the next best thing, beginning in verse 18. John's disciples told him about all these things, these things that Jesus had done. They were telling him about the miracles that Jesus was performing, back to verse 18. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? 
Now, John had a very specific message. He knew he was setting the pathway right for the one who was going to be sent by God. The name that we give that is the Messiah, for us the Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One of God. And we would have thought that John would have known that already, but perhaps he was thinking that there might be another another link in this chain of the, the, the prophets and the people, the messengers that God was sending. So John wants to have the final answer. Are you the one? Jesus doesn't come out at this time and make a statement about himself. The way he handles the question, though, is still very relevant for us today, because how do you really know who somebody is? How do you judge the character of somebody? I know the way I do it is by watching the way they behave, the way they live. Not what they say, but what they do. That's always going to be the final test, the best proof of the kind of person you're dealing with. It's not what they say they do. It's not the claims they make. It's the kind of life they lead. And this is what Jesus does, apparently. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So Jesus, again, doesn't say anything about himself, but he knows that these disciples of John have been watching him. They know what Jesus has been doing. And so Jesus says, tell him what I've done. That is the best way to prove to him that indeed I am the one that God has sent. I'm the purpose that John was given to make the path straight for this messenger from God. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? We're assuming that many of the people who were around them actually did see and hear John. This is still the early phase of Jesus's earthly ministry. So many of the people who came to Jesus first would have heard about God's call to repentance from John. So Jesus is going to question the people about this man they had followed. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Well, no, they're not just going out there for the scenery. That would be nothing. Uh, A reed swayed by the wind also could indicate uh, a kind of person who follows the fads, who blows whichever way the wind blows. Um, That's not the kind of teacher, that's not the kind of leader that John the Baptist was. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. If you are looking for somebody who wears the expensive clothes, who looks like the kind of image that you might have of somebody sent by God, well, you'd go look in a palace. You wouldn't go out into the wilderness. We talked about John, his odd choice of diet, eating locusts, and his odd choice of clothing, the skins that he wore, the belt, uh, 
very unusual. Clothing, fashion, the trappings of life didn't mean much to John. He was the kind of person who had a message. And Jesus is saying in this case that that's what you saw. You saw somebody who wasn't necessarily in fine clothes. You saw somebody who wasn't necessarily going with every trend. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. So they had certainly, within the Hebrew tradition, knew about the prophets. We'd gone through a, a fairly long spell from the last prophet of the Old Testament until John the Baptist comes on the scene. Several hundred years, in fact, had passed. Some people have called this the quiet time, where God is not coming and directly giving messages to God's people. So when John came about, it wasn't like just another prophet. And I don't mean to, de- to demean the, the prophets. They were, in many cases, great people. They had great messages to deliver. But John is something more than the average prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That's from the book of Malachi. And again, in Jesus' day, many of the believers were expecting this one to come before. This person, this personality, been conflated with the personality of Elijah because the, the story was that Elijah would come before the Messiah. And in this case, we don't happen to believe in reincarnation in our general Christian theology. But the spirit or the image or the responsibility of Elijah is what John the Baptist received when he was born. Jesus has pretty good words of praise coming up in verse 28 here. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now this again is one of those fairly confusing verses. A lot of people have looked at it and had various interpretations and looked at it in different ways. Certainly there's a good deal of praise. Everybody uh, who has lived up to this point, Jesus is saying, there's not been one greater than John. He is a great messenger from, from God. But In the kingdom of God, and this is the time looking forward, uh, there's going to be a great opportunity to continue to serve God. And the greatness in this case, remember, Jesus didn't mean greatness by power or glory or wealth or adulation. When Jesus talked about greatness, Jesus was talking about those who served others. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest among you, then be the one who does the most service. Jesus was about this. And so really what he's saying is that the service that John has provided, the faithfulness, the loyalty, whatever, this is the greatness. And yet, within the kingdom of God, there are going to be lots of opportunities for people to go above and beyond even what John the Baptist has done. Well, of course, John's story does not have a happy ending. Um, Herod continues to be angry with him and finally ends up having him executed, having him beheaded uh, for his teaching about the wrongness of what Herod was doing. But so often people in power do not want to hear criticism 
of their evil. They do not want to hear criticisms about the bad things they have done and are doing. And so that's the end of John the Baptist. But Jesus also is looking forward to the time when the kingdom is going to be here, when the kingdom is established, when the will of God is being done on earth by this group of humans. Many of us today, within the Christian belief, believe that the kingdom is talking about us, uh, the people who follow Jesus, whether it's the church or the body of Christians, however you want to interpret that uh, specifically, he's talking about us. And we have the opportunity to show faith, to show these things that are great, not in power, not in might, not in wealth, but in service to others. Let's conclude with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the story of John the Baptist, for the purpose that he served in the story of Christ. And thank you for the opportunities that we have to be great in your kingdom. Help us to share this greatness, this kingdom, with all that we see around us. In Christ's name, amen.